Here they come! Hello, and welcome to episode 152 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average, or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Andrew Glazebrook to discuss the opening and ending of the original Planet of the Apes. We finally really did it. So what's your earliest ape memory then, Andrew? Uh, must be sort of like early to mid-70s, just kind of catching it on whatever channel it aired on, BBC One, BBC Two. Now, uh, when you say that, are you talking about the first film or one of the sequels? Or no, pro- probably the first film. Um, right. I'll, I'll, I'll actually tell you, when, when was the TV series? That was seventy. Four, I think it was seventy three, seventy four. Yeah, it. My memory is very hazy, so it could even be the TV series I possibly caught first. In that case, um, how old yeah, were you in the early seventies then? I was born in sixty seven, so right, I'd, you know, so I'd, I'd have been maybe like sort of seven or eight type age, maybe. Right, right. Because the TV I... series was out. Yeah, I'm a bit like you. It's so long ago and you've got so many memories. Um, you know, everything's all jumbled up. I don't think... I can't ever remember going to the cinema to see the first two films. I know I went to see Escape from the Planet of the Apes um, and I think it was a double bill with something else. But my mm. abiding memory of Planet of the Apes, when I think back to then, it's a uh, TV show, yeah, the bubblegum cards... And the Marvel UK Planet of the Apes comic. So when you when I think back to the seventies, I, I I'm I'm not sure even if I saw the two after Battle of the Planet of the Apes until I was an adult. I, I, my my abiding memory is just like you know the 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 extra stuff like the comics and the bubblegum cards, the yeah. Mego figures. There were Mego figures as well, weren't there? They. Um, the one and, thing I remember um, was. Probably from like going on holiday with my parents to places like Scarborough and Whitby and Bridlington was the kind of the Vacform molded mask, you know, like the ape mask. Oh yes, I've forgotten about that. And kind you of like, could like a chimp mask sort of thing, wasn't it? Yep, I, I've got a complete. Isn't memory strange? I've got a complete flashback now to yeah. going to something down in Folkestone, and I had one of those masks, and and the jaw opened and closed. It was on a bit of elastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like two plastic coconut shelves, basically. I'd like mm. to see one now to see what they look like. Um, yeah. I, I reckon they would be very crude, but I've completely forgotten about that. As soon as you said that, I, the memory popped back. Yeah, it's just there were certain sort of regular haunts in Whitby and Scarborough, like toy shops, and, you know, that was the sort of standard sort of thing that they would have. But, yeah, the, the, I remember now you mentioned the jaw, yeah. Yeah, it was on a bit of elastic yeah. or something, and I, yeah, I, I let's, remember. Let's the... have a bit of a look. See if we can find one online. I'm sure it'll be a picture somewhere. Yeah, I, I can even remember the the noise, the 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 snapping, popping noises, the two bits of plastic. It was almost like a a, a horse clopping, that yeah. sort of noise, you know. Yeah, so so they kind of been vac formed. They must have been sort of molded some. No, See, they were... I was I was just thinking it was like a shell, but now you've mentioned the mouth. Yeah, no, no, no. They were more substantial than vac formed. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to Google it and try and find them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do remember those, um, and again, that must have been sort of mid seventies. I've tucked my crew in for the long sleep, and I'll be joining them soon. In less than an hour, we'll finish our sixth month out of Cape Kennedy. Six months in deep space, by our time, that is. According to Dr. Hessline's theory of time in a vehicle traveling nearly the speed of light, the Earth has aged nearly 700 years since we left it. Well, we've aged hardly at all. Maybe so. 
This much is probably true. The men who sent us on this journey are long since dead and gone. You who are reading me now are a different breed. I hope a better one. Today we're going to talk about the opening and the ending of the, yeah. of the very first film. And I thought what we'll do in both cases, we'll talk about the opening. We'll do it like two separate episodes, all right? So we'll talk about it and behind the scenes and a rating of the opening and then we'll do the ending. Yeah. Um, but before we talk about, you know, what we see up on the screen, um, I made a few notes about the quite a long protracted history and nurturing and the gestation period of mm. the film. And I'm sure, I'm sure you know this. I'm sure you've got the, the J.W. Rinsler book, have you? On Yeah, yeah. Because that's the Bible. Um, I recommend that to anybody who's, who's a fan of, especially the first film, uh, to seek that out because that is uh, pretty in-depth, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I believe he sort of wrote it quite quick as well, didn't he? There was some, somebody told me he like wrote it within like a couple of weeks or something. I, really? Yeah, it's quite a quick turnaround apparently for that book for him. But uh, that I is incredible because they are very in-depth. His books, I do like his books. Yeah. I suppose if all of the background and the research materials there in front of him, then he can quite easily get it put together. But uh, yeah, it, I, again, uh, I picked that up from Whitby, and it was in one of these like book clearance things, and I think it was about seven ninety nine. Blimey! Oh, we, I know uh, I didn't pay anything like that. Yeah, it was either seven or eleven, but I mean, it was really cheap, and I thought, well, you know, uh, there was about three copies, and it's just one of them things where afterwards you think I should really should have just picked up all three. Yes, because all three yeah. were probably cheaper than the original one was originally, so. You know, I could have just passed them on to people. Hmm. Yeah, like me. <laughs> yeah, like you. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Before, as I say, before we talk about what what we see on the screen, uh, just a short uh, ramble from me about it. Um, um, a lot of people know that uh, it's based on a novel by Pierre Boulle, uh, mm. uh, a Frenchman. Um, about two space travellers called Gin and Phyllis. That always makes me laugh that the woman in it was called Phyllis in the future. Uh, they, they find a large bottle floating in space, and inside there's documents which tell the story of Moreau, uh, one of three astronauts who descend from their mothership to a planet in the constellation of Orion. And that's the novel. Have you ever read the novel? Uh a long time ago, I do have it. Um, I can't remember what's on the cover. I think, in fact, I think my original copy went missing, and then I think when the Tim Burton film came out, I ended up rebuying it with the cover of that. And obviously, it says, you know, now filmed as Planet gotcha. of the Apes. Um, but I think I, my original one went astray back probably in my college days. But uh, I do have a copy somewhere. Oh, yeah, right. but, but I haven't read it since I, I ended up getting this second copy. I just remember, you know, it being obviously radically different. It it is radically different, but the much like Alien, you know, the the people saw it, they bought the rights to it, uh, with a uh, a view to immediately altering pretty much all of it, apart from the core concept. Yeah, um, yeah. and that's when they roped in Rod Serling. Um, mm to do a first draft and he uh, immediately made changes um, we we lose the name Moreau uh, we have Thomas instead along with Dodge and Lefevre mm. who take a landing craft down from that mothership down to the planet um, and in that uh, Rinsler book you see that there, there was a concept artist for the film by the name of Don Peters yeah and he designed the ship which you know, his initial designs are pretty much exactly what we see on screen. But uh, at this point, it doesn't crash in this version. It, it lands. It's got actually got skids, and it lands. Um, in the next draft, uh, that's when a fourth astronaut is added, who, who mm. dies in hibernation, uh, who was called Blake. The, the one who died was called Blake, and that's meant to be a slight dig at the film's original director, Blake Edwards. All right. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He had left the project, and it like he kind of like dropped everybody in it, and they weren't happy with him. So yeah, as a kind of like yeah. two fingers up at him, they 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 called this person who dies Blake. Yeah, but she, the, she, she got the easiest role they're going, didn't she? Really? <laughs> she certainly did. Yeah. Um. And the uh, yeah, and then the final draft is what we see in the film. Yeah. 
So let's talk about the film then, shall we? Mm. All right. So we go straight from the regular 20th Century Fox logo into some like trippy lights in space. Yeah. Um, and we hear Taylor. We don't see Taylor. We hear Taylor and he's finishing his report. And we cut into the ship and uh, the camera's... Well, I guess it's the bridge because we never see really anything other than this, like, you know, 20, 30 feet of, like, mm. the control room of this ship, do we? And and I know there's been speculation over the years, what did the rest of the ship look like? And some people have used, you know, this Don Peters uh, version, and I've, I, there's been model kits produced and all sorts of things. But yeah. what I quite like about this film is you have only the nose cone, you know? It, it doesn't matter that you don't see the rest. I quite like the idea that the rest of it is just in that lake and it's up to you to decide what it looked yeah. like. I think it, it's an unusual like, sort of decision, though, isn't it, to sort of not show the ship in space. Any other science fiction film would have at least had a, an establishing shot you know, of the, the, the stars and then you would have seen the, the, the craft drifting up mm-hmm. um, you know, into, into frame and stuff. Um, but this literally, like, you, know, you never see the ship actually in space. Nope. Um, which is strange, and like you said, the they can't be living in that just that bit which you see because it's tiny. You've literally got the control seats, the bunks, and yeah. that's it. So you know, you think, well, yeah, there must be something behind it. It's attached to, and this bit just gets ejected off mm. potentially. Um, but yeah, what that. I see, yeah, you said I've seen various uh, concepts, models, CG models and stuff over the years, and some of them have been very good. Where you think, yeah, I imagine that's pretty spot on to what a lot of people would have liked to have seen. Mm. Uh, but it is an unusual decision uh, not to actually show it in space. No, uh, it's quite nice, though. I quite like it. Um, I, I quite like the idea that they... That, that, that they've gone with this. Yeah. Um, I, th- I, th- I think as a kid, you pro- I'm probably sort of sat there watching this, thinking, "I want to see spaceships." You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, uh, true, true. You know. But this isn't a regular science fiction film, is it? You know, no. I, I, again, I think that's part of the appeal. And um, we we learn from him that you know that they left Cape Kennedy six months ago. So yeah, that they haven't all been sleeping all this time. Um, no. So, yeah, you're right. There must be other parts to the ship. I don't know what on earth they've been doing. I mean, he says that they're in deep space and yeah. they've been travelling for six months. Yeah, so uh, you don't know whether they've been landing on planets, whether they've been researching, you know, that there's... Yeah, they've kind of just been all... They've got a cabin fever all jammed in that space together. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and, and he also says that they, they've got another hours sleep before they return home mm. and, and and he says by our time and you've got a chronometer there and it shows that the earth time is 23rd of March 2673 but yeah. the ship time is 14th of July 1972 yeah so they took off sometime in January 1972 that kind of like dates this film doesn't it that you yeah, yeah. you'd have a deep space cruiser mm. launching in like 1972 which yeah. is only what um, four, four years after the film was made. Four years after the film was made, yes. Yeah. Um, and the camera at that point it pulls back to, and we see old Charlton there. He's puffing away on his cigar, yeah. Um, and then injects himself himself as he's uh, philosophizing away. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and he gets up. He checks the two males who were fast asleep and the one female. Um, so. That they've gone out into space for six months yeah. and then they're coming back, but of course, you know, it's seven hundred years has passed on Earth. Yeah. Um. Was is this a job you would like to do? I, it's... Yeah, it does seem a bit of a sort of. Well, you're going to have to leave your home planet, and everybody you know will be dead when you come back. There'll be nobody, you know, whether it's like the next door neighbours, your your friends, your family. Your cat, your dog, yeah. Um, you, you know, Earth. In fact, Earth might not even be here when you get back. 
you know, we might have had a war or two by then. So, yeah. Well, I understand it with Taylor because Taylor is very much a pessimist and he hates the human race, basically, doesn't yeah, he? And, yeah. and, and, and I guess he's, he, he as much says so. He's hoping that, you know, that mankind has become more enlightened yeah. in the uh, 700 years that he's been away. It is quite interesting, though, that, you know, most science fiction films wouldn't even approach this sort of um, time distortion sort of thing. You know, they'd, they'd fly out to the stars and they'd just return and everything would be just as they left it. This is actually trying to say that, yeah, you know, if they're travelling at whatever speed they're travelling at, then Earth's going to definitely be different when they get back. Yep, yep. Uh, You know, which... You know, it's, it's an unusual thing. Uh, I suppose it's part of the context of the story, though. We we find out later on. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it is it is quite interesting that they've done that. Hmm. But but yeah, the, these four people are going to be sort of strangers in the, their own planet, really, when they return, aren't they? Well, they that they will be regarded as real curios. It's like somebody coming forward from seven hundred years ago. Yeah. That, that, Would anybody yeah. even remember they were sent? You know what I mean? Yeah, that, you know, that, that's a good point as well. If, yeah. if, if, if there'd been wars and records that had been destroyed and stuff, you know, this ship might show up and then there'd be, well, who are you? <laughs> you well, know, that's, where, that's where like one of, from? yeah, I mean, you know, in our in our timeline, that, that's like one of the ships that went off with the Pilgrim Fathers yeah. suddenly comes back to Portsmouth <laughs> and goes, hello, we're back, we're back. Yeah, we never well, did we, find America, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. All right, so the titles start, and we have the regular titles, and we come out of them uh, via a roar yeah. as the camera bursts through clouds um, above all these mount- mountainous terrain and uh, this large body of water. Um, and I do like the way you've got quite odd music in, yeah. that, in that moment, and you've got this roaring noise, which I think it must be, uh, it, it's inferring, isn't it, that are the ship's thrusters firing. Yeah. And the camera's going round and round and up and down and, and finally goes into the water. Mm. And uh, we cut to the inside of the ship um, and we realise actually we're looking out the window and the camera pulls back and we've got water sliding yeah. off the off the windows. And um, and the camera pans round and we've got a bearded tailor now um, in yeah. his bed and his pod opens and then you've got the two blokes. Um, yeah, all with beards. All with beards, checking each other's beards out. And that's when, um, yeah, uh, Taylor gets up to look for Stuart. And mm-hmm. there she is, uh, dead. There she is with her cracked uh, uh, seal. Um, yeah. I always think when I see this, that noise, when you get a reaction from Charlton Esson, there's a noise. I yeah, always okay. think that's... It, it's. I, I always think it's some sort of jarring music, but it's not, is it? It's the yeah. seal on the door. Yeah. It's like they see her body and then there's this like screech, isn't there? And you kind yeah. of almost think that's the reaction, yeah, to the body, but yeah, yeah, but it's not, and and that's very clever, yeah, because I you I think you ask it's meant to be a jump scare, isn't it? And then you've got yeah. this noise which is meant to be telegraphing the jump scare, but it's not. It's the noise of the seal get round the door as the water starts come coming in, yeah, and. Uh, you, we cut to this terrific, I love it. I, I love the helicopter work that they've done in this film because you've got this pass around the nose of the ship as it's all bubbling away. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, there's no miniature work getting used here. I mean, this is like a full-size nose cone, isn't it? Uh, yes, yeah. In the water, this. So yeah. maybe, maybe it's one of the reasons why they don't show the ship coming through the atmosphere or anything like that from externally. Maybe it's because, you know, there, there weren't, sure that it would look that good so mm. this does look good though you know the actual ship in the water it's one of those classic photographs isn't it of the ship yeah. with the nose cone out um, and you and you can get the you know, the camera on the helicopter you can get up right close because it is full size you know yeah, yeah. Um, um the only very very small niggle i've got in this moment is that when you have that terrific pan around the helicopter the uh, of the ship the ship is clearly at like a 45 degree angle oh, but yeah. just yeah. before that they're not at a 45 degree angle in the ship they are when yeah. we cut back inside mm. um Unless the ship suddenly went to that angle when the water burst through, I guess. Yeah, like tilt, tilt, spark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and we get a, a long, drawn-out, you know, testing of the air. You know, the, one of the guys goes up into the nose cone and he presses mm. some buttons, and a little probe goes out and he tests the air. The question I always think about this is: Why don't they think that they're on Earth? 
because yeah. they were returning to Earth, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and you look out the window, that looks like Montana or somewhere or Utah, you know. Yeah. It o- looks also, like Earth. Also, you think that as the ship approached Earth, then you think they would be walking up like in advance as opposed to, you know, being woken up sort of already on the planet and crashed wherever they crashed, you know, you think yes. they would have been woken up, you know, if you were heading towards Earth, probably by the time you maybe reach Mars or something, you get woken up at that point and Yes, yeah. Um, depending on how fast it's going, but yeah, a bit, bit more of advanced warning than just waking up in the uh, in the water as such. Yeah, it, it's always a another niggle of mine. It's like mm. there's nothing until until you see the apes riding horses and carrying guns. Yeah. There's nothing on that planet that makes them think that they're on another planet. No, you know. No. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, and talking about that helicopter, we get this other shot. This shot where you you're looking down on the ship which is in the water and then mm. up the camera goes up and pans around and you see this incredibly bleak terrain and yeah. it's all in utter silence complete silence mm. um and so yeah they have to abandon ship they abandon ship but not before taylor notices the clock mm. and uh, earth time now is 25th of november 3978 yeah so maybe maybe that's what's putting putting Taylor off thinking that this is Earth because Earth at that time you would have aircraft everywhere, wouldn't you? And um, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, and what have you, buildings everywhere. Um, mm. So there you go. I hadn't realised that, that this is a little snippet of information that I'd never noticed before that uh, there's no bird song or anything like that in the film. Right. Okay. Hmm. I know a lot of people have obviously mentioned over the years about, you know, where's the moon? Uh, you know, yeah. Because um, if if they were sat there in the night time, um, then looking at the sky, there should be the moon. Um, and that would immediately think, well, that's the moon, so we're on Earth. Uh, but for some reason, the moon's not there. Now, you know, it could be a situation where was the moon... So was it? Is this like the... The remake of the time machine where the moon was destroyed. You know, did the mine mm-hmm. the, did the mine the moon was the moon destroyed? Did that help what happened on the planet? You know, happened. You know, it's hard to say, but there's yeah, there's definitely no moon in the sky. And people have often said as well, well, there, you know, they should know, they should be able to read the stars. Things like, um, you know, Orion is a very distinctive constellation. Yeah. Um, you know, you could look into any clear sky and say, well, there's Orion, so we're we're on Earth, but. I suppose the niggles. Um... Yeah, they, they are. They're just silly little niggles. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, they get their little dinghy out. Um, yeah. and, and it's they... quite interesting how they get out that, isn't it? Because it's almost like they kind of crawl down like a little Jeffrey's tube. That's the... exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, that like that up, is a Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah, up the nose cone and sort of out the tip. Yes. Like through a hatch. But, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting that way out. It's, it's had, handy they did have a hatch that was above water level. Isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they paddle away. I like the way that the, you, you go off into deep space, but you take a inflatable dinghy with you. That's yeah. quite sweet. <laughs> um, and the, so yeah, they. Sorry. I was going to say, is this the, is this the, um, a miniature shot of the ship? Well, going under? I'm not too sure. Yeah, no, they paddle away, and that and that's the the full size one. Yeah. Um, and and then we cut from that one last close up zoom around the full size yeah. spaceship it does that we cut to the boat and one of them goes it's sinking and then we cut back and it's the model shot yeah and and from then on that's just the miniature sinking they didn't physically sink the uh the full size one yeah it depends right. how deep that water was doesn't it really because i mean it might have not been that deep where they were actually in well the um, book says three to five hundred feet of water yeah, I'm actually. So I'm, quite I'm, deep. I'm, I'm talking about the the physical. You know, is that what the? Oh, you mean the Rinsler book says that's what they were in? Yeah, the full size all one right. was in three hundred to five hundred feet oh, of okay. water. So, so, so they could have dragged it all the way down, I suppose. But what the Rinsler book doesn't say is, is it still at the bottom of that lake? Because mm. how do you bring up all the scaffolding that you've sunk down there to actually support? Because it was basically an arm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it's um, anchored to the bottom. This arm, which is holding the the model spaceship. Now, obviously, they took the spaceship model away after filming, but did divers go down and take apart the thing? I don't yeah. know. It, may, it might be there rusting away now. 
So how big was the miniature? I'm coming to that because right. that's our little uh, uh, discussion about the uh, what we saw on screen. So behind the scenes on the opening, uh, yeah. that lake is called Lake Powell. Uh, it's the Lake Powell Reservoir on the Colorado right. River near a place called the Crossing of the Fathers. Mm. Okay, And it was very difficult to access this place. It required a small armada of boats to ferry the 80 people, plus all the lights, cameras, generators, all that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, the spaceship had already been built. They had mm. already built it, brought it along. It's a 24-foot nose cone made of metal over a frame, and yeah, as I say, anchored in some 300 to 500 feet of water. All right. right. Um, for the point of view of the ship crashing at the beginning, uh, that was a World War One biplane with a camera struck to the front. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, it wasn't doing the somersaults. They just optically turned it yeah. round and round and round. Um, and the ship sinking. The model was done by good old LB Abbott. Oh, who, yeah. Um, yeah. who on this show we've been talking about lately because he worked on the Owen Allen shows. He did Fantastic Voyage yeah, um, and also went on after this to do Poseidon Adventure and Logan's Run. Mm. Um, and yeah, would you hazard to guess how long in inches the miniature was? Uh, let me... I'd, I'd probably say maybe it's about sort of in feet, six feet. Uh, six feet. Uh, you're not far off. 66 inches. Right. Right. Six feet is 72 inches, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so it's just over five foot. Yeah. Still pretty big, isn't it? Yeah. But I mean, of course... It, 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 it needs to be, obviously, if it's in water. To kind of create it, it, kind that's of exactly what I was about to say. You, the, the bigger the model, the better. Yes. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you're going to have like water bubbling around it to signify yeah. that it's sinking as well. Because um, I, I imagine, from what I remember, that those bubbles, you know, obviously do look like they're, they're sort of generated from something underwater, probably like a, mm. a pipe or something. Yeah. So yeah. Quite, you know, a lot of bubbles going on around the edge of the ship. Well, there's two ways you can do it. You can do it that way, or you can tr drop like some frozen CO2 or something in there, mm -hmm. and that make that makes a bubbly reaction. But usually, that gives off steam, and you can you yeah. can kind of like tell that that's a chemical reaction. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And then to answer your question, uh, this this model was filmed in three foot of water. Right. Um, in the large Cersen tank at the Fox Ranch. Yeah. Um, and if you look at that shot, the actual background. Um, it's not a photo, it's a painted cyclorama right. um, a painting which was based on reference photos that they had taken on location. Because um, you might have seen there was, a, I think there's a, there's a book about you know the, the history of the painting of cycloramas and stuff and it's one of the few things I think Hollywood still actually has a lot of because they're, they're easy to store, unlike miniatures and sets which obviously you know take up space, cycloramas can be sort of essentially rolled up. Yeah. Um, that, so that, I, I know the fam the one from Altair um, 4 from Forbidden Planet a few years ago. Mm. And, I, and I think there's an actual, similar to the Invisible uh, Art, the matte painting book, I think there's a, a book like that about the people who did all the backdrops for all of the Hollywood movies. And, you know, a lot of them are still in storage. So, you know, there's a fair chance that that painting is somewhere still in storage at Fox. It would be nice to see that, wouldn't it? You know, um, because I said, you know, they're, they're a very easy thing to store, and like, say, you know, yeah, sets, miniatures, props, and things, which can often take up space. So there's a fair chance that the the full size nose cone was long since destroyed, or re mm -hmm. well, it was probably used in the subsequent movies, wasn't it? I think it was used in the third yeah. film. Um, it for when they return to Earth, yeah, when they return to Earth, yeah, it was certainly used there. Whether it was the same one or whether it was rebuilt, I don't know. All right. Okay. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it. Yep, that's it. So um, this this opening sequence, what do you give it out of ten, Andrew? Oh, it's a, it's a good sequence, and it gets you sort of straight into the story. I mean, you know, there's not sort of much fat at the beginning of the movie. There's no gobbledygook and just babbling away. It's you're straight into the action. So I mean, it, you know, it is memorable. I'd give it like an eight. Okay, I gave it a seven. Um, yeah. Um, mainly, I mean, for the, the terrific um, helicopter mm, work, yeah. all, the, all, all these like zoom shots and yeah. pans round and stuff like that, and and it's a classic design, isn't it? It's a classic design of spaceship as well. Yeah, um, it, it's the, the the sort of cockpit windows are sort of almost reminiscent or 
Eagle Transporter, yeah. aren't they? You know, you can kind of see that in or the the Altair from the uh, Journey to the Far Side of the Sun, is it? Yeah. Yeah, but also, I mean, the year after this, you've got um, the Moon Shuttle in two thousand and one. Yeah, it's got the two cockpit windows with the black, uh, the blackout around them as well. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, yeah, there's no sign of kind of any spacesuits in this, is there? You're just kind of in those flight suits, and they don't sort of decide no. to take anything else out with them. Like no, they've no, they've got a rubber dinghy, but they've got no spacesuits. <laughs> It's weird, isn't it? They've obviously it, watched Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, you know. There's no rubber dinghy. Is that what it is? Yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if they had woken up a little bit earlier, they could have done that and jumped out on their dinghy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So that gives uh, our opening seven and a half. Yeah. All right. So so let's go go to the end to the ending and um, yeah, a little ramble before we get into it about you know just how the ideas changed and they are they changed an awful lot more than the opening because mm. in the original book Moreau, Nova and their son they've got a son they escape the planet in an ape spaceship mm. because of course in the book the apes aren't like the apes we see in the films oh These, yeah they've got cities haven't they and technology yeah. and yeah, 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 they, they, yeah, helicopters and airplanes and they're driving cars and stuff like that. I mean, all that was eliminated yeah. partly yeah. because of, you know, the cost. shock ending. But, yeah, it's cost. It's absolutely yeah. cost. So, yeah, in the book, they, uh, yeah, they take off in an ape spaceship. They land back in Paris on Earth. Mm -hmm. um, the place is deserted, but two figures approach and they're gorillas. Mm. And that's how it ended. Yeah. Um, now, it's Rod Serling, again, who came up with the idea that the apes' planet was Earth all along. Um, yeah. And some people reckon he's riffing on a Twilight Zone episode he did called I Shot an Arrow in the Air. Yeah. And in, in that, uh, you've got ash, astronauts crash landing on an alien planet. They act uh, quite desperately, kill each other, and at the end they find out, or we find out, that they've been on Earth all along. Mm. Um, and uh, in his first rough draft... Um, Dr. Zayas at the end tells Thomas uh, the truth and he leaves to fa face his destiny and that's it um, you, you know in the film when you know Zira says what will he find out there Zayas says uh, his destiny that is a hearkening right back to the very first draft yeah. but in the first draft there was no shock ending yeah. you know yeah. uh, it was up to you to decide what was going to go on mm. um, in the next version pretty much the same except he does take off and he and Nova leave and you're left to wonder whether they got back to Earth or not. Yeah. Even though they, it is Earth. Mm. Um, now, the Statue of Liberty idea came from that guy, Don Peters, the concept artist. Yeah. Um, and he wondered if there was a way that you could more visually have a way for Thomas to find out that he was on Earth. Mm. And he had already painted an image of the Statue of Liberty being uncovered at an ape archaeological dig. Yeah. And uh, that was incorporated into the next draft. Cornelius tells Thomas that the apes have recently discovered a strange statue near the spaceship that, you know, Thomas and Nova are going to be leaving on. Mm. But in that version, Thomas and Nova, they take off and leave. Yeah. And then the camera pans round and that's, we see the Statue of Liberty. See, yeah. 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 So we as the audience know that that's been Earth all along, but Thomas never finds that out. Yeah. Um, and in the next draft, as I say, there's been many versions. In the next draft, they can't get the ship to work. So Thomas and Nova are kind of like resigned. They go back to being with all the other humans. Mm. While they're at this digging site, Thomas sees something that we don't. We see his reaction to it, but we don't know what he sees. He starts going mad. He runs towards Zayas, ranting and raving, and the soldiers shoot him dead. Yeah. And they stand over his body, and they wonder why he let himself killed. And that's when the camera pans round, and we see the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. All right? So that's that version. Um, in the next version, Thomas still can't get the ship to work. He sees the Statue of Liberty... And then just gives up and decides to just be a human like all the other humans. Mm. Um, so 
in the one after that, we go back to Thomas committing suicide by running at the soldiers when he sees the Statue of Liberty. But there were many, many debates at this time whether Thomas should die or not. Um, And then it was Michael Wilson um, who wrote the final draft. And uh, he had them not going off in a spaceship. They go off in a little dinghy down this river into the Forbidden Zone. They travel down it. They reach a pool. And sticking out of the pool is this outcrop, which is all like red and green. And uh, it looks like a giant column lying on its side. And as they get nearer, they realize it's metal. Yeah. And its top looks like a hand holding a torch. Yeah. And I, I love, the, I love the, uh, the, the notion of this. Taylor looks down into the clear water. Mm. And looking up at him is the face of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. It's there in the river <coughs> under the water. And he has a variation of the final, you know, angry rant that he does in the final film. Yeah, that that, that um, sounds um, interesting, doesn't it? Because the sort of the sort of in a way, um, the the actual Liberty Island is sort of out at sea. So yes, it, it, that would make more sense for it, you know the statue to be sort of slightly off the shore. Um, yes, wherever it's located. Um, I mean, I, yeah. I know geographically the, that end scene doesn't really make any sense because of the mountains and stuff. Although, you know, if it is literally hundreds and hundreds of years or thousands of years later, maybe it, it does. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I do like the idea of it being just in the water. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can buy the mountains being there because, you know, there's been nuclear wars. Yeah. So, therefore, the Earth has gone through all sorts of upheavals it could quite easily you have mountain rages where new york is yeah. now yes yeah um the, the, and obviously the final scene we could talking about here i mean it's probably one of the most iconic isn't it in i was going to ask you can you think of any more iconic ending to a film than this one not, not really i mean not not that can just rely on that pure visual element uh you know it's it's not like a a verbal twister, a plot twister, such it well it is, but it it's, it requires that shot, doesn't it? You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if you know um, audiences who didn't know the ending would have guessed it, or if it did come as the most massive of shocks, because. I don't know. If you suspend your disbelief that these apes are speaking English and that there was an earlier ape society that made yeah. plastic dolls that look exactly like, you know, our plastic yeah. dolls. If you suspend that disbelief, I wonder if it was a massive shock, you I'm know? I'm sure the sort of majority of the audience just didn't make the connection, really. I mean, you know, um, what really gets me these days is the fact that you know you can go into HMV or whatever, and there's a DVD or a box set, and it's literally got the end sequence on it's the got box. The sta- it's got the Statue of Liberty on the yeah, box. Yeah, you think talk <laughs> about giving away you, the you know spoilers, please. You know, there's the yeah, you bloody idiots. Yeah, well, yeah, like a yeah ri- exactly. Ridiculous um, thing that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's stupid. But the, the, there was one of the companies that released a whole bunch of. DVDs and Blu-rays were these ridiculous boxes, and the one I remember was the one for Seven, which actually had what's in the box written on the front, and it showed you the <laughs> box, and you think that's literally giving away the end of the movie, you know, oh, by having what's goodness. in the box. Yeah, you know, you think dear, that's just oh ridiculous, you know. These people, these people shouldn't have these the, jobs. Like, should who they? marketed that? You know, uh, just, muppets. Yeah. yeah. All right, before we talk about it, one last thing. The book, the Pierre Ball book, ends with the two astronauts that found that bottle drifting in space telling the story. They find it all too far-fetched that humans could talk. And the shock reveal of the book is that they are four-armed apes. Right. Yeah. Mm. So, here we go then. In the film then, what we see, um, you you know, you've got Taylor and Nova, they're leaving the cave Um, and Taylor is wondering aloud why apes have evolved from men on that planet. Yeah. And it's a very, yeah, yeah, it's an iconic ending to a film. It's a very evocative ending to the film because, and it's a haunting yeah. uh, ending to the film. The, the music sells it because, you know, as they go off and they round that headland, you know, you've got this haunting music playing. The camera is high up on the cliffs above yeah. them, you know, looking, looking down. down at them mm-hmm. on the horse. And I'm sure that they've done that, you know, because we're 
just about to see the Statue of Liberty, and it's if you're up high to begin with, it's not going to be too jarring when you then you know cut to the shot that we're just about to yeah. see. Um, and the the reveal of it is done extremely well, I think, because what you've got is you've got a pan from the sky, yeah. you pan down from the sky to reveal the sea. Mm. You pan down further to show the shore, and you can see the horse approaching. The camera pans down further still, and something comes into the bottom left-hand corner of the frame yeah. and, and grows to fill a full third of the frame. And you can see that it's something metallic, and it's beat mm. up. But you don't know what it is at that point. Uh, the shot, it holds that shot and zooms towards Taylor, yeah. who, who has stopped but then rides on a bit more. And then we've got a same shot, same sort of shot again, but this time something spiky yeah. enters the bottom left-hand uh, part of the frame. And the camera moves so it fills the entire lower half of the frame as Taylor dismounts. And we zoom into Taylor. And, yeah, here we go. We have the, oh, my God, yeah. as we cut to him. I'm back. And he, that's when he drops to his knees. Yeah. And you maniacs. And it's just... Such a terrific piece of acting from Charlton Heston. Um, um, You know, and Nova looks puzzled. Yeah, she's she's, she's well confused as to what's going on, isn't she? Yeah. And uh, she's she's looking down at him and then looks up and we see what she sees. Um, and, and there it is. There is the Statue of Liberty. Um, I like the fact that it's, you know, at, at a crooked angle. Yeah like it is, you know, jutting out of the cliff. I like the way that uh, one of the um, spikes on the uh, crown has yeah. melted, you know. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it is an uh, iconic shot. Yeah. And um, and uh, the music has gone at this mm. point. All the we've got at the end of the film. Yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. it's like road to, Perdi- road to Perdition. All you've got is the sound of the, uh, the sea on the shore. Yeah. And uh, as the camera fades to black and the titles start, and again, there's still no music. You've just got the the sea on the shore, haven't you? Yeah. Yes, it's, it is. Hmm. It's great. Um, I mean, the matte painting, you know, of the statue, again, you know, it's iconic. You know, you, you can't sort of go in through a science fiction book or anything and not have that picture in there, really, if it's of science no. sci-fi movies of different eras. It's always the picture that you're going to see. Uh, again, spoilers, I suppose, but <laughs> they assume you've seen these films. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's how the film ends. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, and um, I suppose back then, you know, did they know they were going to make a sequel or was there any plans for a sequel or was it just purely, you know, a one-off? I mean, you know, it'd be interesting to see just what would have happened had they just left it at that, you know, and... Because, uh, you know, the, the the sequels aren't bad, but uh, they're not a patch on the original. No, no, no. I mean, this is far above um, uh, above them. I'm, I sort of like the second yeah, one. Yeah, the, the, the second um, one is kind of the equivalent to me of, like, what Halloween 2 is. You know, um, mm. it kind of continues directly on from the first sort of movie, in a way, and follows the same narrative and... Um, then the third one, obviously, is then a, a, a huge jump in story and location, isn't it? Um, a bit yes. like Halloween again. Um, you know, they tried something different with that one. Uh, I mean, the, the, the yeah, the second one I like. The third one, not so much. The fourth one, where the apes actually start the revolution, is quite good. And then the fifth one was lousy, um, mm. which is the one with the people driving around in jeeps and stuff, you know. Um, because yeah. in that one, we've kind of almost got the apes we know from the apes films, but there's still people who can talk and drive jeeps and fire rifles. Yes. And you think, it just seems like they've really screwed up the continuity of these movies at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, okay. Well, behind the scenes on that, uh, that, that scene was a place called Pirate's Cove, yeah. which is at the far eastern end of Westwood Beach on Point Doom. And um, for the high shots, looking down on Taylor and Nova, um, a massive scaffold tower was constructed. Yeah. Um, I, I've got some brilliant photos uh, to put on Facebook of it. And at the top of that scaffold, uh, that's where they built, well, partially built 
uh, the Statue of Liberty. Um, and what they did build was only at half yeah, scale. Was, so it's half the size it should have been. I, I thought it was like quarter scale, but yeah, half scale. Um, it's still big, like, yeah, isn't it? And, yeah, and uh, I'm glad it doesn't rain over there because apparently it was made out of cardboard and paper mache. Right. So, you, you know, you've got... You get a rainstorm, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it would have just crumbled. And um, yeah, and that that model, that half scale model, was for that opening shot, the 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 slow reveal where you see a bit of the torch, and then you see the spikes yeah. of the uh, uh, crown. But the main reveal shot was entirely, as you say, a matte yeah. painting by Emil Cossa Jr. Right. Um, and he not only painted the image to match the live plate that they had got, but apparently out at sea there was a navigational buoy, yeah. and that was visible, so he had to paint that out mm. as well. And, um, yeah, if you look him up on, um, on IMDb, he's down for special photographic effects, which I'm guessing is their way of saying back then, you know, that a map painter... Yeah was special photographic effects. And if you look through the other things that he's done, he worked on Cleopatra. He worked on The Sound of Music, uh, Von Ryan's Express, uh, Fantastic Voyage, um, The Flint Films, and Doctor Doolittle, Planet of the Apes, um, and Land of the Giants. Uh, He did 17 episodes of Land of the Giants, special photographic effects. I'm I'm guessing matte paintings. Mm. Hmm. All right, so this is an iconic moment in film history. What do you give it? Uh, it's got to be a 10. It has to be, mm-hmm. doesn't it, really? <laughs> I knew you yeah, was going to say it. It can't be anything other, no, can it? It can't be. It, you know, there's just no doubt about it. Um, it's just such a memorable sequence that, you know, it is ingrained in sort of popular culture and everything, isn't it, really? And it's been spoofed endlessly. Oh, yeah, they spoofed you know. it in Spaceballs. They spoofed it in Jane, Silent Bob um, movie, yep. which was quite a nice spoof of it. I think Matthew Jurisic did the uh, matte painting for the Jane, Silent Bob version, which was very authentic yeah. to the, you know, actual one. I think. I think if you said to anyone, "Planet of the Apes," that the ending is is what springs to mind immediately that's what you well, think of when you it's, think of Planet it's of the get your hands off me you damn dirty hips uh, yeah that, that that's a very close uh, yeah, second yeah, to me so, like you said the end shot really isn't it they're the, they're the two key things people remember from it mm, yeah go, go, going off on a All right, so, tangent um, the one thing I always did like about the original movie though was the Ape City because it, unlike the Tim Burton remake where the Ape City just seemed to be like the set that, that that obviously was on location, and I have seen various uh, YouTube and uh, website articles where people have gone back, and you can see the rock formation, so you know this is where it was. But it was a nice location right. that they dressed with those kind of semi, kind of organic buildings, weren't they? They were. They reminded yes. me a little bit of the buildings that they used in Battle Beyond the Stars for IKEA, which is kind of almost like you know, yeah, yeah, kind of almost yeah. like mushroom shape like carved from rock but organic pods and but yeah it was a it was a great location and it had a bridge over the river and so you know it, it yeah probably wasn't a cheap set you know to make it was probably you know fairly expensive but yeah that that for me stands out really really a lot and obviously the the little bit of the kind of arena thing that they've got where the the council takes place outside where they've got all them steps Yes, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's some great great bits like that. So I think I think that's deliberately done to, you know, uh take away the idea that this is Earth. Yeah, if you yeah. don't have anything like we have as mm-hmm. Earth buildings. I mean if you had filmed the, the novel where they are in helicopters and driving taxis and things like that, it's like well this is Earth, yeah. you know. But it it is mm. it is a film that considering when it was made, um it is really effects light, isn't it? There's no real sort of matte paintings and miniatures as such, besides what we've talked about. It's not like ha- it's not like yeah. halfway through the movie we get an establishing shot of the ape city and it's a matte. It's not everything you see of the ape city is genuinely there. Um, the, the, yeah, and the apes, yeah. all the apes, it's all practical yeah, effects, you know, isn't so it? So there's there's no just matte paintings for the sake of it. There's no miniatures just for the sake of it. Um, 
the second film obviously does that. You know, there's certain match shots uh, in the second film um, and a lot more effects, um, including obviously like illusions that are getting created um, and things yes. like that. So the effects in the second one, yeah, much more effects heavy, but this is really effects light. I mean, it's literally those at the beginning and those at the end, and that's kind of it. Everything else is real. Mm. Um, yeah, so that that's unusual because considering the amount of money that they probably spent in it, you'd assume that they would have liked to get more effects in, but I don't think it, it doesn't need them in a way. It, no, no, it most certainly doesn't. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't because, you know, what we got was uh, perfectly yeah. fine, wasn't it? That, that, that was there enough. has been somebody yeah. on YouTube um, in the last few years who actually redid the opening himself with the, uh, you know, representation of the ship. So he kind of did the whole opening of the ship in space, um, you know, Heston in the cockpit. and You know what? Yeah. Uh, I'm the one who sent oh. you that link. Oh, I remember yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, right, I've got to, I've got yeah. to dig that out it, and, it, uh, and and put the link up for that yeah, on it, Facebook. It was, it was very yes. nicely yeah. done, you know. I mean, it was it was sort of sympath- it was sympathetic yeah. to the footage that was around it. It wasn't too over the top, was it? You know. Um, but yeah, that that was actually quite good. You know, that people have done that, but not use modern sort of. You know, not not like the, it's not like the camera sort of tracks in through the cockpit window or anything like that. It it, it was very. Of the time, it was yeah, in keeping, yeah. wasn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Oh, was it you yeah. that sent me that? Yeah, yeah, it was. I remember now. Yes, <laughs> I got to dig that out and try and find yeah. that again. All right, okay. Well, thanks Sorry. for today. Sorry. Well, tonight, uh, yeah, Andrew. Yeah, off air. We've got to talk about what you're going to do right. next time. Okay, then. Yeah. All okay. Right. All right. Cheers, Bye. then, Andrew. Right. Bye.